and welcome to Capstan Live. We're the podcast that makes sure you pay the real estate taxes you owe and not a dollar more. If you own commercial real estate or advise someone who does, you're in the right place for a real talk about maximizing tax savings. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capstan Live. I'm Helena Carmel, and today's guest is everybody's favorite, Mr. Bruce Johnson. Bruce, hello. Welcome to the pod. Hi, Helena. Thanks for coming back. Why, thank you. It's always been good to be here. We're just down the hall from each other, right? It's true, but you're a busy bee, and I appreciate you taking the time. And we are talking about one of your favorite things. I know you love self-storage. I do. Yeah, we've been active in the market for a long time, participate in a number of organizations, state level and uh, national level. So, yeah, we have a lot of great, great clients that, that work in this property type. And why is self-storage so popular? Well, I, I guess... They're everywhere. I feel like everywhere I go, I see a self-storage. Yeah, they're, they're for, for a lot of reasons. And I've learned, I'll share some of the stuff that I've learned being around these the people in the industry. Number one, it kind of is following on the America's downsizing, if you would. Mm. People moving to apartments, and shortly after the apartments, they need a place to put their things. Oh. So we see them really kind of working together. Um, the other is that from a city perspective, municipality perspective, what I've come to understand is that cities love this. Why? Because they get a tax revenue, but a property that doesn't need nearly as much servicing. So it's not like you're going to build an apartment facility with all of a sudden 400 new families and all the infrastructure and services needed for that. You think of it, you have a self-storage facility from a city perspective. They don't have to worry about schools. They don't have to worry about all of those types of... Oh, all the, the supporting infrastructure that would need to, to be created. But I think the biggest issue for most of our listeners is because people need this type of service. And so there's a great growing demand for these property types. And also, it's very easy, well, relatively easy, to repurpose a lot of other property types. Mm -hmm. So I've seen heavy industrial... <clears throat> They converted to self-storage, uh, offices be converted over, so in addition to new construction. So it's a very, um, I wouldn't say low intensive, but it's it's a property type that we see and hear that it's easy, easier to develop and say some of the more, like a, a, a multifamily property, there's a lot more that goes into those types of developments. So in, in a sense then, it's kind of tied to, to this, this boom in multifamily that we're seeing now. As people are, are you know, downsizing into apartments or whatever, their stuff's got to go somewhere. So right. as long as multifamily stays strong, which it has been, it, it, self-storage will stay strong with it. I think so. I mean, at least that's what I'm hearing from uh, people that we interact with and going to trade shows and such. Um, but of course, you know, it comes down to the economics. There's, there's pretty decent uh, revenues to be achieved through these property types. And as we think about this, there's a lot, there's a lot of details that go into operating these facilities, right. but they're not necessarily as intensive as, say, a multifamily or a multi-tenant office building or something like that. For sure not. Right. Um, and speaking of the benefits, so I know self-storage properties make, make, can make great, great cost-seg candidates. And what, what makes them so um, unique in this sense? 
So there's a lot that goes into how you interpret the depreciation of a self-storage facility. So for example, you can have the interior walls are constructed so that they can be moved. So in other words, as the property evolves, the owner can reshape the size and capacity of, of spaces. And that is constituted a, a demisable wall, something that can be easily moved, reused, oh. and personal property. And therefore, whoa, that's huge. Five years with bonus eligibility. Uh, so, and if it's done, but not every self storage facility has that capability, right? Correct. Any... So, so particularly, Helena, if you've got multi-story properties, you start to see the need for load-bearing walls, which right. might be some of those de those those demising walls between spaces. Obviously, that's not something you could break down. That wouldn't be constituted as personal property. Okay. Okay. But another instance would be you've got proper or, or spaces that are conditioned specifically for people to store their equipment. So for example, we know um, people with documents will, will look for a conditioned space so that the materials don't degrade. They're not either the heat, the cold, humidity are all controlled so that the prop, you don't have degradation of what's being Sensitive. stored. In. That environment, that type of construction Say in an office environment, the HVAC equipment is clearly real property, 39-year asset. But in this instance, no, it's actually defined as, as personal property really? and bonus eligible. So you can see a, say a suburban, uh, low-level low, low construction, but I mean low-height construction property, you could be seeing 40, 45% of the total basis being wow. accelerated. And wow, so between those demisable walls and the, the um, climate control. Climate control, and you've got areas. security. Wow. All of these different aspects of, of the property can be seen as acceleratable. So then you translate, transfer over to an urban environment where maybe yes. you've got vertical construction. The yields aren't going to be as great because now you're starting to look at you know, with vertical construction, whether it be self-storage or anything, your real property assets grow in cost, grow in, in portion of the basis. So you think of stair towers, elevators, all of the, the additional structural members needed to grow that building vertically. Those are all real property assets, but nonetheless, you still can gain a pretty decent benefit with cost irrigation on an urban, vertical constru vertically constructed, say, mid-rise. Right. I mean, a, a lower yield probably, but still benefit. I mean, a suburban location you're going to have land improvements too right you're absolutely and you're going to have parking you're going to have shrubbery you're going to have i don't know what and, and all of that can be 15 year too right yes so you're talking the by the way helena i think you've got a career in doing cost segs uh, you've been hanging around this long enough long enough yeah but but to your point all of the fencing security systems roadways if there's landscaping um there may be pads for say where people are, are, are storing boats or RVs or things like oh, that. right. All of that comes into play as a land improvement. Right. So, okay, yeah, so location does does play a factor in, in yield. That, that does make sense. Um, what kind of trends are you seeing now, Bruce? I know you're kind of up with the, with the cool kids and the saw, the, the well, uh, I, I wouldn't market. Say, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's a lot other than we're seeing more people repositioning existing properties. Mm. Maybe not building ground up, new ground up, but definitely repositioning. We're also seeing 
um, some of the larger brands buying existing small mom and pop facilities. I mean, that's been going on for years, but we're seeing a transition of ownership. Uh-huh. Uh, so as, as we've talked a lot on other discussions, there, there's the aspect with an acquisition with the TCJ bonus application. So a great trigger for cost seg. Ultimately, no matter what we've talked about, everything really comes back to the facts and circumstances of the individual taxpayer or tax entity that is owning this, owning the, the property. Because we can talk and show and demonstrate the potential benefit, but it has to be usable. So in particularly in today's environment, with all of the different tax strategies that people might have, cost irrigation is certainly a very powerful one, probably the more, more useful in commercial real estate, but it ultimately comes back to really the needs for the particular taxpayer. Right. So as we've talked about as well, many, many times, you use this type of tool when you need it. The best time is when you first place the asset into service, whether it be acquisition, construction, renovation, but you can wait to use it till you need it. And speaking of renovation, if people are repositioning older, other types of properties, so there's going to be renovations and there's going to be, you know, pad elections and there's going to be a lot of opportunity, right? You just touched on how cost irrigation and some of the activities being done in a property will open up the potential to use other types of strategies. They're could create synergies together, Love increase it. the economics. So to your point, if you're renovating a property, repositioning, as you said, there could be the potential for, all right, there are assets that are being demolished or abandoned or replaced. Get them out of there. You can write off the remaining basis of that through the TPRs. So long as it's done, the, the pad election is done the year the work is done. So That is my favorite, and I don't know why. I just love a good pavilion. And, and, you know, it's interesting because I think because of the frenetic pace at which most people are moving and, and self-storage, it's not unlike any, any other vertical market. People are so focused on running the business and maybe looking for, to get the next deal done or online, it's easy to forget some of these tax strategies. So whether you're an owner or a CPA, it's really important to keep in mind that a number of these strategies, particularly related to the TPRs and say Section 179 standard business deductions, if you're planning to use those, you have to use them in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. You can't go back, oh, I forgot about that two, three years yeah, ago. There's no looking back for these boys. No, no. no. So I think that's just you know another illustration. I know we've talked about this before, but really timely development of your strategy is important to make sure you take full advantage of all these things. Uh, I hate to say the five Ps. But there we go. It comes up again. Prior planning prevents poor performance. He said it perfectly, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, for once, I have nothing to add. Bruce, thank you so much. You know so much about self-storage and so many other things, people, truly. Um, thank you, Bruce, for making the time to join us on the pod today. We really enjoyed having you. Listeners, if you enjoyed what you heard, why not subscribe? We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or just go to our website at capstantax.com slash podcasts. If you're interested in talking to Bruce about your self-storage property or any other opportunity, he's available, right, Bruce? Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can get him at bjohnson at capstantax.com or give us a ring at the office, 215-885-7510. If you're listening to this podcast on your phone, you can do it right now. 
Until then, I'm Helena Carmel here with our producer, Aaron Strongen. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Capstan Live. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Visit our website at capstantax.com for more info on everything we discussed today, plus breaking news, industry blogs, and more. Have a profitable day.